Welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast, part two. I am Sarah Flannery. I'm Megan Johnson. And I'm Danae Osted. Welcome to part two of our interview with Jen Yuen, founder of The Pledge Ets. In this part of the podcast, we talked a lot about our own financial breakthroughs when it comes to our own money. And uh, buckle up, we have some vulnerability in this one, and it's going to be a bumpy ride. So stick around to hear more on the Leveled Up podcast. So I have a question for you all. Was there a light switch moment or a series of things that really increased your confidence with money? Because you all are pretty confident. Like we're all openly talking about money and are comfortable in the role that it plays in our business. I think there's a difference once you become a business owner and you have to like face money every day. Um, so I think that I think there's a lot of factors at play here. Um, but I will say it was being super poor for me. Like it was being like, d- am I buying gas or eating today? Kind of poor, like deodorant or toothpaste. And because uh, that's what I could afford and realizing like this really is the is this is the tool that makes me safe from that. And I spent a lot of years like just running away from insecurity and fear around money. Um, And so there was a a moment after we got married where um, I realized like I didn't have to run away from poverty anymore. I could run towards a future. And like that was like a really important switch for me is saying like, I don't have to just like stuff money into the proverbial mattress to just like in case anything happens. Uh, I'll be able to eat food, but instead it's like, what is the future that I'm, I'm building for, for my family and, and, and for the next thing, the next generation, what am I leaving behind as well? Not just what am I building for our retirement, but, um, there was a switch in there and it just immediately, for me, the moment was like seeing the possibilities instead of just running away from something and like keeping myself safe and saying, what are the, what are the possibilities? And then because I thought about it in that way, I I got really interested in it and I started to lean forward and I said, okay, so, okay. So if I, if I understand this and I use this, if I use money in this way, our lives could look like this and then our future could look like this. And so if we just are consistent in blah, 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 and this and that, um, I can be really interested in it. Um, So I had to understand how it related to my goals and how I could use that as a tool to meet those goals. Um, that said, like Danae will talk about this all day long. Like the difference in investment strategy for me, me and my husband are extraordinarily different. Like I am still like extremely conservative. Like I love some top and bottom cap in my life. Like I really love that. <laughs> I don't mind you limiting my top because you're limiting my bottom kind of thing. Um, and my husband, like every time he's like, oh my, like Megan, really, we've got a long time before retirement. And I'm like, you do the crazy risky shit. Like, I don't want that in my life. And, um, so, so the other thing that comes up for me in this, and then I'll shut up. So, so you guys can have a chance to talk. I'm sorry. I just love this topic. Um, (laughs) was something, I think it was like a PBS, like a Susie Orman thing that I saw when I was young and her saying it's okay for you to make a decision that allows you not to have an incredible amount of anxiety around where your money is. So the upside may be way higher for you and the financial analyst may say that you've got 30 years until you retire 
But if I am stressed out and worried to the point of it's no fun for me and I'd rather just take all my money back, that's not a good investment for me. And I, I, I say that about business decisions for my business owners. Like if this hiring practice for you is so terrible that it's no fun and you can't run your business because it's so distracting, like, let's not do that. Let's, let's come up with a way that works for you. And that's what I love about um, this whole conversation. Like, let's just start talking about what your needs are. Let's start talking about what, what your future is. Um, because I really needed that switchover moment when it was not, not just running away, but running towards, I think it's a short answer from that. my long dialogue. And isn't it more fun to run towards something than to run away? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd rather chase a bunch of puppies than be chased by a pack of dogs. Just saying. <laughs> that one down. Sarah, what do you think, Sarah? So I will probably say of, of the three of us on the call, though I am very comfortable about talking about money, um, I still feel like I don't have as much confidence as I would like to. And this comes from a few things. I noticed that I, the, the necess, the need to be aware and talk about money in a healthier way is one when my parents got divorced. So my parents got divorced when I was 27, 28 years old. So after almost 30 years of marriage, now they're still great friends. They still look out for each other. It's a very unique situation. They don't sit there and like, you know, not help each other. But when they did decide to sell our house and, and typically divide assets, my mom is a business owner. She's a certified financial planner and a CPA. And like, she was all over my shit. Like you have to be able to make this work like just in case. Cause I mean, nobody would have predicted that my parents were getting a divorce, but like, you have to be able to take care of yourself and you have to be able to do this. Um, so that was kind of the first stepping stone when I moved out here and I took a job in mortgages. It was more for the potential of growth for myself and for my career is why I took that first step. And then I went through a very, not too long ago, very, very, very poor stage in my personal and business where I spent a shit ton of money to try to make my business work and it was wildly unsuccessful. And so um, I learned very quickly that making that um, investment on how my other people in my company do work, not right for me. <laughs> Um, and so we changed that, but like, I mean, I was to the point where I was like, I'm not going to be able to pay rent. I don't know where, like, I'm going to be homeless because I can't, I'm not gonna be able to put a roof over my head. Cause I'm literally paying to work right now, paying to work, which is ridiculous. So I, um, I still have a lot of fear around it personally, a fear that like, I'm going to go back into that spot that I was at three years ago because it wasn't that long ago for me. And as an adult, as somebody that prides herself of being very, I got it, I can take care of myself. I'm going to be very self-sufficient. Um, I still, and that's why I said, I'm still working on my relationship with money because the fear is very prominent for me. Um, like it literally welds like physical anxiety and physical things in my body. And so we're working on it, especially after this year. I mean, I've been able to be, I am like this close to being completely financially free outside of our mortgage payment in my car um, and in one year. And now that that's great because that's literally six months that this happened, but it happened so fast. And I know that what I do is so volatile. So it's like, 
you know, it's, it's a, it's a mindset of, you know, understanding like there, yes, we, we put away the nest egg and this is, this is going to be okay. Um, but I'm still struggling with it. There's still some, some things that it's like, I still need to make more money and work harder, even though I've cleared my goal for the year, like four, five months into the year, I hit my goal and now we just keep increasing it. And so it's, it's stupid, but it's, you know, like the amount of money, no, no, the amount of money is stupid, but it's still having this actual physical effect on, um, that's kind of, I feel like it's kind of holding me back to be completely honest. I do this mastermind with a group of entrepreneurs twice a month. And, uh, our conversation often comes back to this. What is enough? Yes. And Mm. there's not one clear answer on what is enough. So, but how can you give yourself some clarity to just say like, okay, you know, all my expenses are paid. That's enough for me. And then I want a little extra to invest or whatever, but to, to have a reasonable amount that is enough. And I think, um, one thing that like, I love that gives me confidence a lot is, uh, to remember those times I was a total badass with money. And so like all of those times where I was like, I crushed it. I paid off, like, I paid off my car loan a year faster than I planned to, you know, or, um, or like some money lessons and like those failures that you didn't repeat. Like in college, I overdrafted my checking account, got the $30 overdraft fee. It was totally my mistake. I know exactly what I did. And I have never overdrafted on my checking account again. You know, so I, so I can say like, I'm good managing my money and my bank accounts because I made this mistake, but I totally corrected it. Or I'm a total badass because I made these decisions and I paid off the loan fast. Like, so I think just remembering those times that you're a badass and then how can you figure out a number that you can say, this is enough I know I can live off of this because I've lived off a lot, lot less and just be proud of yourself and be comfortable with that and, and to keep enjoying the journey instead of increasing what enough is. Yeah. Right. I want to say something before Danae, you go, um, because you brought up like so many things for me. One, Sarah, it feels still feels to me and like, we'll have to kick this one over to Anissa, but it still feels to me like you're running away. (laughs) All of our Uh, therapists. (laughs) uh, It still feels like you're running away. Like you're not running toward, you're running away. Um, It's still that fear monster chasing you, this pack of dogs, right? Um, And that's just what it feels like to me. Um, But the other thing that made me think of is one of the, one of the greatest things that in my life is my husband. I talk about all the time. I'm sure the podcast listeners are so sick of hearing how great my husband is, but he's really great. Um, Is every time we paid something off, we set a date to go to the bank and I was the one that closed the account because I had so much fear around money. And I just, it wasn't real. Like my perception of it wasn't real. He, he was constantly telling me like, we're doing okay. Like we're not, we're not going to lose the house. Like Megan, we're going to eat next week. Like it's fine. Um, and so every time we hit a financial milestone of like paying off a car or paying off a loan, he, we set a date and we would go 
pay it off and I'd be the one. And it was like such an important thing to me. So I so appreciate Jen that you're teaching people to make those celebrations because it is important um, and a really big deal. And that also brings me back to, um, thank you, Danae, the Ed Milet podcast that I was listening to today about um, neuro, uh, if they had a neuro... Uh, I don't remember which one I sent you. Uh, he's, a neuroscientist. he's a neuroscientist and he was talking a lot about like the dopamine feedback and the difference between um, being goal oriented versus being process oriented. And I think just in this conversation, it's coming up for me. I think that's really what changed is like, I appreciate the process of watching our emergency fund tick back up and watching our investments tick up and just those through the process of doing it. It's not like I'm waiting for that enough amount that Jen's talking about, like that $2 million mark or the whatever mark it is, you're looking at the process of like, look, I honored my respect to myself to put this money away this month. And yes, I, I can do that. And my life is set up in a way that I can do that. Um, and so utilizing that brain hack, the end my let show, it's just a couple uh, episodes back. Everybody should listen to it. It's a really, really cool. I was just looking at it. I was just trying to pull it up. Is it the elite brain training? Maybe. Let me, it was like two episodes ago. Very recent. Uh, I don't have it up anymore. Wait, maybe. I think, that's uh, some, I think, yeah, I remember listening to that, how he was talking about sometimes that it, it's the, like when he's looking at what actually makes people happy, a lot of times it's not actually mm -hmm. achieving the goal. It's actually the process of getting there. Um, right. Or the process yes. of pushing for something. So yeah, I remember what you're talking about now. Yes. <laughs> it was brain training. It was brain training with Dr. Andrew Hoverman. Yep. It was so good. So, so good. And I think if we apply this to how we look at finance, women are going to be so much empowered by the process of improving themselves financially. Um, it's just so, so, so powerful. So I just had those sparks in my head while you guys were talking. So I had to say them. So Danae, you haven't told your story. I feel like, well, first of all, I talk about money all the time, but I think that like Sarah on the point of what you're, what you're saying, I think that there's this kind of special brand of, it's not quite PTSD when it comes to being broke, but it feels pretty shitty uh, because not, it doesn't even take actually getting broke again. But when you start to feel the markers of what it felt like when yeah. you were broke, then you're like, oh, nope, safety mode, not spending anything, not going out yep. to eat, not buying anything. Like, and, uh, you know, I'm canceling all of my monthly subscriptions. I'm doing just to make sure that I'm okay, you know, to just on the off chance that, and I, I still do this, like on the off chance that I'll run out of money, I will, you know, totally shut down all of my extra spending even though if I look at my baseline over the last few years, it's getting higher and higher and higher and higher. But especially for entrepreneurs, when we're used to having this, like, oh, way up one month, way down another month uh, and all over the place, like it's easy to feel that same, like, oh, panic. I don't know. I, I know how shitty it feels when I don't have any money and I don't ever want to go back to that again. So I'll change everything else in my life. <laughs> avoid that feeling, which is so yeah. funny. It keeps us, I think, from making more money because then we're in this yes mindset instead of yeah. abundance I, I recognize all these things but I still wake up with anxiety about money still still yeah. and, and I'm, I, you know and I, I talk about this all the time so I think that you know I've had I feel like my whole life is really a study of human nature in relation to finances because I just I just ask people questions about it all day long that's what I do and I think the biggest 
there's a couple things for me that really stand out, but the biggest one is that your starting point 100% doesn't define where you're going to end up. 100% because if I look at the clients who were in some of the hardest situations with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt or with making very little money or with the idea that they're never going to be, um, you know, making a ton or whatever it is who came in with the hardest situations, it is insane to me how quickly things can change when it comes to your finances. It's crazy. And I, you know, especially working with so many entrepreneurs, there's so many times, even just within our community where I've met with somebody the first time and they're barely making any money and they don't have anything to invest and they're dealing with a ton of debt. And it is so fulfilling for me when they come back in a year or two years or three years and they're like, well, debt's paid off. I'm making $300,000 a year now. And, uh, you know, my life looks totally different and I see that happen and it's exciting. So you know, the, the idea that wherever somebody is in their finances right at this very second is not necessarily totally irrelevant, but it can change so fast, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why it, what gets me excited is that it's not a, Hey, if you didn't start saving when you were 18 years old, and if you've, and for context, Jen, I've overdrafted significantly more than one time over the course of my lifetime. So me too, me too. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That doesn't make me any worse with money now, but I've definitely had to learn some lessons the hard way. And I think a lot of people have. So that's the first thing is just knowing that your, your starting point is usually not even related to your end goal. Right. Um, and then the second thing was that finding out that everything is just kind of an illusion when it comes to money that like I had these crazy assumptions my entire life that if somebody was older than me and a man that they were automatically making more money or better with their money or that they knew more than me. And I didn't even know that I had these assumptions until I got into finance. And then I, I would get intimidated if I would sit down with older men and then I started sitting down with them and I'm like, oh my God, you guys don't know anything. Like your finances aren't any better than the young women that I'm working with. You're, they're not even better than mine, you know? And recognizing that you know, I now know more than most of the population just by essence of what I do. And I can be confident about that. Like that's a, that's a turning point. You know, I think once you have some context, understanding that most people don't know anything about their finances and most people don't know what they're doing. And even if guys act like they do, and we've talked about this before, confidence is the theme right now. So, um, men will display a lot of confidence, even when there is not necessarily confidence to back it up right? But women won't display confidence until they're a hundred percent sure that they're confident with something. And that's why women act so, um, you know, so insecure when it comes to our finances, because we don't feel like we have it all together yet. And the secret is that nobody does. Men just act like they do. <laughs> that's right. the whole secret. The industry would crumble if everybody knew this, but it's a secret of life. That's like 42 or 20, uh, whatever the number is like, that is the secret <laughs> of life of gender too. roles. Yeah. What is it? Oh, wild. So that was a, that was a, a rant on my part. And I feel like I can talk about that for a long time, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's such a cool thing to just have a conversation about this without any fear and, you know, being yep. able to be vulnerable and know that everybody identifies, you know, that's when, when you have conversations like this, it just builds such deeper connections because people are like, oh, so it's not just me. Like right. I am doing okay. You know, I'm not the worst with my money. Nobody, um, you know, not everybody I know is making more money than me. Um, and I think that that's one of the big things that, that defines all these younger generations too. And a lot of our insecurities about money is because 
you know, like keeping up with the Joneses has been around for a really long time. It's not going anywhere either. No, it isn't. But the idea of keeping up with the Joneses carefully crafted social media narrative is totally different, right? So now imagine that the Joneses are spending hours and hours trying to piece together exactly how they want you to think that their life is. And that's what you're trying to compete with now. Like, that's ridiculous. And that's what we're going into our finances looking at is that's the starting point is how can I compare with somebody else's perfect lifestyle that isn't even real? Yeah. Let's, okay. We're going back in time again. I can see you were like, oh, I got it. it. (laughs) She was ready. (laughs) All right. We're going back to white flight, suburbia, the birth of the suburban lifestyle. Everybody moves out to the suburbs. They all buy a house that costs about the same, which means they probably all make about the same amount of money. One neighbor gets a car. Another neighbor says, oh, the Jones has got a car. I can afford a car too because we're neighbors and we're all making about the same amount of money. And to Danae's point, as it grows and grows and grows, our circles are not closely tied to our wealth and our income. as it used to be when the concept of keeping up with the Joneses happened. So now we have a wider pay gap and with social media, you know, we are trying to keep up with people that make 10, 15, 20, 50, Jeff Bezos amount of level more than us. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, we can't do it. And, but we shouldn't expect ourselves to. And then going back to, since we're not talking about money, we're talking about it with stuff and then you look at social media and you're like yeah but they got that trip for free because they're an influencer and they have hundreds and thousands of followers but so how could i afford it when they didn't even afford it right it's so real i remember uh when i moved home from the military uh taylor and i had been married for like three years at this point and uh there was this one like very loose acquaintance that I'd run into every once in a while. And I bought a Nissan Murano when I moved back home because I had, it was used, a used Nissan Murano when I moved back home because I had this broke down tank that I drove around Alaska that I was tired of driving a tank around. Uh, It felt like driving a tractor around and I was sick of it. So we got a car and I remember walking into this event and this lady was here and she was like, is that a new car? And I was like, yeah, we just got it. And uh, she turned to her husband and was like, they have a new car. We make way more money than them. We need a new car. And it was like the most uncomfortable moment of my life. Like, I'm sorry to offend you that I bought a vehicle to get me to work and back. Like, it was, it was awful. It was a really, <laughs> but it exists. And so there's something about people that they're like, I'm not doing good in life unless the things in my life are equal to who I see as my peers. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that too for a second though, because so in this training I'm doing tomorrow, right? So we're talking about millennials and a lot of the times if we're looking at, okay, where should I be in relation to where my parents were at this age? The comparison is not direct. Oh, it makes me so Science. mad when boomers talk about this because they don't get Ugh. it. The easiest comparison too is like, okay, so what's the average single family home price in Denver right now? $600,000. Okay. We're over, we're over 550 right now. Yep. Yep. That has doubled. 
doubled within the past 10 years? Has the average salary doubled in the last 10 years? Nope. And so, and a lot of the times too, you have no idea what's actually fueling somebody's financial situation. I'll share, I mean, with you guys, um, because of course I will. Um, but this, this, yeah, I love memes. So if you want to share the screen with me so I can, I can show you that. Oh, I will. sorry, sorry, sorry. I need to... if, well, if not, I'm also happy to explain it to you, but like usually when I explain memes then it just doesn't have the same effect. Um, but this meme, it's it, it for all describe it for everybody over, over the, the podcast as well. Okay, sweet. So I'll share this with you guys. Um, this is what you get for putting a millennial in charge of a presentation about millennials. You're going to get some memes. So this is one of my favorite memes. So it's this guy on Twitter and he's like, millennials quit whining. I paid off $150,000 in student loans and own a home, a $400,000 home because I saved. It's not that hard. I make coffee at home. I bus instead of Uber. I shop sales. I had my parents pay off my loans and buy me a house because I'm daddy's special boy. And I got Hulu with ads and I lose it every time I look at this, this meme because it's so true. You have no idea. First of all, if somebody has a, a job making six figures out of college, they might be working for their dad, right? Or right. if they bought a home, they might've done it in rural Nebraska where it cost them $70,000. You right. know, apples to apples are not the case when it comes to finances. You have no idea who's, whose parents paid for their school, who's not dealing with student loans, whose complete mm -hmm. lifestyle is funded by debt. It's not real right? None of this stuff is real. So that's one of my favorite memes. And I like, I think you will probably have to oh, share the show notes, but I think it's hilarious because that's, that's how life actually is, you know? Yeah. I love that. That's also such a great point too, because this year is also shedding some light on the racial wealth gap. Yeah. So you look at the average net worth of a white family is I think $177,000 average net worth of a black family is $17,000. And there is a lot of jacked up shit that caused this. But one yep. of the biggest things is intergenerational wealth. So just like that meme said, having your parents pay off your student loans and buy a house for you, it, it's so true. I mean, white families have been doing this for generations and generations. So, you know, you're starting off on third base when other people are still at home plate because you graduated without any student loans and you know all of these like great privilege things and since we don't talk about money we don't know where everybody started off um but oh man there these is are some stuff because sarah in the lending industry wells fargo right before the housing crash of the great recession went uh, and partnered with black churches in the South and did a program where they would come in and talk about real estate as a, as a wealth catalyst. And they would get all, pe all these people to apply for loans. Anybody who applied for a loan, the church got a $300 donation um, for every applicant, but they were only offered subprime loans. So even if they had a credit score near 800 or 800 and above, they were only offered subprime loans. So in the Great Recession, where um, people lost yeah. half of their wealth, most white people lost half of their wealth, Black families lost considerably amount more. 
and, and lost their homes. They had their homes taken away from them because of these subprime loans. And so, you know, you can say like, there's two things. There's the law that says redlining doesn't exist, but there is still the practice of redlining. I mean, that's a perfect example of it right there. And I mean, it, you couldn't get it more, a better example, especially with a, a huge bank. I mean, it, it amazes me when I do all of my continuing education and I do a fair amount of it because I'm licensed in seven other states and a lot of it's the same, but it, it still comes up. And so I'm like, there are still people out there doing this and it blows my mind that it's still a thing. Well, we can even look at like the COVID situation and you guys know I'm all about small business. The number of small business that were owned by people of cover that were color that were forced to close because of COVID is significantly higher than the businesses that were forced to close by white people. And so for whatever reason, where they were and, and urban versus rural and blah, 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 it doesn't matter. The, what matters is this is the effect on the community of color. Like it still creates the same effect and it's like this generational and it's just like this compound, right? This compound effect of all these things that occur that create this wealth gap. And it's a problem. Like it's a, it's a massive, massive problem and it needs to be addressed. And, and, and I recognize that four women, four white women sitting on a Zoom, like this isn't our, this isn't our uh, flag to fly, but I think the point of it is like we see it, we hear it, and we're here to support as, as however we can. And, and it, it is our responsibility to at least have a voice to say like, let us know, like we're, we're here to support and um, understand that, that it's a, it's a problem in our society. And, and it matters and how we educate and how we uh, create systems and who we vote for and all of this stuff to uh, make sure that we're aware of it. You know, like I'm the first one to like fly the 19th amendment flag. Like, yes, yes, let's fly that flag. Um, but I bought 19th amendment stamps today. Um, nice. But uh, it's the same thing. Like uh, we, we need to like support people flying the flag of, of, of racial financial equality and the racial wealth, wealth gap for sure. And say, yep, fly that flag. I'm here, I'm, I'm seeing you fly that flag. Even the 19th Amendment, it was white women's right to vote. Right. You know, yep. It, it was in the 60s that black women got to vote too. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and so it, it's, you know, you do have to like respect the progress that has been made and know that we can do better and advocate for doing better. When we see it, call it out. You know, like if there is a grocery store that is in a poor neighborhood, go shop at that grocery store because if those grocery stores underperform and they take them out. So as much as um, First Lady Michelle Obama with her Let's Move campaign worked to get Walmarts and Kroger's into food deserts, many of them have closed because they were underperforming stores. So there's these little actions that we can take, banking, uh, consumer purchases, investing, that we can say, we're not okay with the way society is, we are going to use our privilege to make those changes. And I think that's the coolest thing about millennials and Gen Z asking more questions because they want equity and they want equality and they want these amazing things and they have the dollars to change them. You know, my next concern is insurance for business. 
I can't imagine how much business insurance is going up for uh, Denver, Chicago, New York, like downtown areas where all of this uprising has been going on and not by the, I don't even need to go into it, but there's, there's all this destruction. I can't imagine how much their insurance costs are going up just for, just to keep their coverage. And that's going to, that's just going to increase the gap, you know, for these business owners that are already hurt. You know, I, that's going to be the next thing. And I'm certainly not an expert on the topic, but I, I, in March, Danae, Sarah, and I had the conversation around like, what is the domino effect of this? Like the massive, massive, massive domino effect, not only of, of what's going on around racial equality in our nation, but also COVID and, and all of the things like, oh, insurance is going to be a shit show uh, to try to recuperate from everything that's going on. And it's going to affect, there's going to be a disparity in, who, in how it, it affects different communities for sure. Absolutely. So right turn, but that's what we usually do in uh, our podcast. Um, Jen, if we can keep you a bit longer, one of the things I really, really wanted to talk to you about is your experience because I haven't had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with you, but it's going to happen very soon because when I jumped onto your LinkedIn earlier today, I was like, holy shit, this woman's got chops. Like she is, she has been through some really cool stuff. So I'm interested a little bit in your personal mission because you've always been just so, from your resume, just so oriented towards teaching and helping and guiding uh, communities. So talk to us a little bit about your history and um, your personal mission um, as it goes to how your career is developed. Yeah. So I have spent my career connecting my clients to their audiences. I started in the music industry connecting uh, bands to fans. So everything from social media, touring, merchandising. Um, one of my bands, uh, oh, fun fact, I'm also old. Uh, Twitter started as an SMS texting service, which is why there's a character count limit. So what you would do is you would text a short code, a five digit, you would text your message to a five digit code and it would send a text to all of your followers. And uh, when Twitter came out, my bands were like, nobody's gonna care what songs we played last night at the show. And then six months later, they're like, what's our login again? I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I went from bands to brands and connected consumers or brands to their consumers. So did experiential marketing for General Motors, Kraft Foods, built the first Oscar Mayer Wienermobile food truck. That was pretty fun. That's so cool. It's so cool. And then I moved um, in-house to helping leaders connect to their employees. So launch meetings, large-scale events, personal branding, communication strategy, that type of stuff. Um, oh, and in the middle of that, I left the country and went to Peru for seven months to work for a nonprofit, connecting their mission to donors back primarily in the States, but also uh, around the world. And I just love connecting and, and community. And, and there is absolutely this human element. And I think what's so cool about our career, and I love that you asked me to in my resume here is that I so strongly believe that every experience you had made you the perfect person for the challenges you're taking on right now. And 
no way would it make sense to jump from the music industry to travel to CPG to nonprofits. Uh, but here I am and I feel confident that it is my mission to abolish the gender wealth gap by facilitating money conversations with women. And I love having such a clear mission because it makes saying yes and no to work projects so much easier. <laughs> Again, we can highlight that when you have your mission, saying yes and no to the appropriate products and things with work become easier. We push this a lot because people tend to not do that. We didn't even prep that. I know. Just Magic just happens when we start talking. <laughs> That's it goes. That's the way it goes. I know that there's something exciting that you have coming up that you want to chat about. So can you share with us what you have coming up? Yes. One thing I'm super excited about is um, the Pledgeettes is collaborating with Navit, which is a financial wellness app. And we have an online course that's launching in October called Navigating Confident Money Moves. It's a six-part series where we're talking about money mindset, setting financial goals, um, using financial apps, how banks make money, um, how to hire a financial professional, and how to build your financial A-team. I'm so excited about these topics because I think this is such a great starting point to get confident with your money. And, you know, we're all on different financial journeys. And so none of this is the tactical stuff on how to invest or how to buy real estate. This is kind of that foundational level stuff that you need to get your relationship with money right first mm -hmm. and set your clear goals and then start making those money moves. So I just anticipate that we're going to have some people who go through this online course making some big money moves here at the end of 2020. So I'm so excited. Nice. How can they find more information on it? When people you find that I'm trying to do a quick Google. Um, you can find out more information on the pledgeettes.com break. Uh, we'll be posting it next week. That's why you can't find anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up. Okay. So cut out whatever time we are. Okay. And so that's. <laughs> uh, Megan, okay. sorry. So you, you want, but what would you want? Because it's going to be in. Can't hear me. Your bandwidth oh, is low. Yeah. Kind of cutting it out. Yeah, head, on, head on over to thepledgeettes.com to get more information about our online course, um, as well as consider being a member of the Pledgeettes. Again, we're this community of supportive women. If you loved listening to this conversation about money, join us and have these conversations more regularly. Um, also, if you want to check us out and attend an event for free, use promo code LEVELUP for a free ticket to one of our upcoming events. Hmm. Yeah, everybody should do that. Everybody should totally do that. Uh, we totally believe in the pledges. We believe in your financial future and you taking control of your financial future. That's incredibly, incredibly important. Don't let it become a monster under your bed. Monsters under your bed are generally not real, also assholes and not do serving you at all. So uh, that's my soapbox for the evening. 
yeah on that and if you are currently talking to anybody about money who is on your financial aid team, you think they're on your high five tribe, but really they just make you cry or feel bad about money, kick them off your financial aid team and find someone new. There are people in Level Up that are such better high five tribe members than somebody who's gonna make you cry. Yeah, Dude, if we make you cry, it's gonna be in a nice way, in a happy way. The good cathartic tears that make you feel relief yes. when you're done, not feel worse. Just like every time I get a text from uh, Danae saying, I've met a target. Yeah, power lock. <laughs> okay, Sarah, do you want to uh, wrap us up? Uh, sure. Or Danae, uh, or Danae. I, or do you guys what, I mean, this was great. Like, are we not wrapped up? I mean, because I, I just had a blast. So that was... That was great. What is, what is that? Guys, I'm doing stuff for our podcast. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. These are, oh, my, these are my notes for tonight. They will go on uh, social. That's a very, very cute. I like that Look a lot. Cool it is, dude. Look at, it, look at how adorable you are, Megan. Is yeah. it backwards? Because it's backwards for me. No, no, it's perfect for us. Yeah. Like, this is one of my favorite parts. They aren't nearly as colorful as yours. I haven't been taking, this is enough for me to focus on at one time. So I can't even take notes when we do this. Oh my gosh. Okay. I need all of this because like I said in the beginning, I just am really great at talking, but not as good at writing. So I'll just rewrite whatever Megan posted that I said, and that'll be the calendar. <laughs> well, that or just take a picture of it and post it. I'll send a picture. Um, I can't guarantee that they're exact, but they're as close as I could quickly write down comments and stuff. Uh, but this was awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. You're the best. I cannot wait to have a one-on-one -on -one with you. Thank you. Uh, and then if there's anything else, Jen, that you think of that you want us to put in the show notes that we didn't already cover between the pledgets, between the new series coming up, um, we're also going to put all of your socials that you put into the thing. If anything else comes up that you want us to add, it's going to be about two weeks before we post it. So send it over. You can email it to me or Danae um, and we can add it up. I love it. Um, also, have you met, did I introduce you to Kaylee Canavan yet? I was just thinking that. Yeah, you need to make, She should okay. come to. Sh okay. You're you definitely need to get okay. for okay. champagne and sushi for sure. Okay. So, Kaylee is a total badass. She is uh, an accountant. She owns her own firm. Yeah. And she's also has a history with working with bands. That's actually where yeah. she did. That's actually what like 90% of her clientele is right now. Um, but she is a total, total badass. She's in a networking group with, uh, her and I, and I was just thinking, God, you'd be a really good addition, but, um, yeah. she'd be an amazing addition to, to your webinars right now. She's like, seriously, she's a great speaker and she's amazing. She's like five foot nothing and just like a powerhouse. So like you definitely need to meet Kaylee. Right, Kaylee. Um, sweet. Uh, Megan, are you going to invite them to, so you'll introduce them in person? I was going to say, Jen, what are you doing the last Monday of this month uh, about noon? And do you like sushi? And do you like champagne? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, what time? Noon. Noon on the 31st. I think it's the 31st. It's always the last Monday of the month. Where is it? Centennial. Okay. Quebec and Arapaho. Um, I probably can come. As long as my, okay. I 
have something that goes till 1130. And as long as that actually ends, then I can definitely come. Okay, so let's link up after this and we can connect on it. I need to uh, wrap this sucker up because Jason doesn't need to hear all this. So uh, we will connect one on one and uh, figure that out. You're definitely coming to Champagne and Sushi at some point. Um, okay. But uh, Kaylee's coming this month, which is why it'd be a perfect introduction I can make for both of you. So I'll say if, if Jen, you can't make it, let one of us know. I'll send an email introduction and you guys can connect. I promise you she is all the things, man. She is a great human. The bomb.com for sure. I love great humans. All right, Jen, we're going to ask you to drop off so we can wrap this sucker up with an introduction, uh, but we appreciate you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. This was so much fun. Can I just say, I need to brag on Danae for a minute because something that she said in our Pledgets webinar is repeated often. Um, Danae said that having more money will amplify who you already are. So if you are a generous person, having more money will make you more generous. If you are a greedy person, having more money will make you more greedy and more selfish and a terrible human. And I just love that perspective because as women, you know, we're taught like, oh yeah, the guy's going to take care of us. They're going to make more money. And it's like, fuck that. No, I'm an awesome, badass person. Yeah. It's going to make me a more awesome, badass person. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. I appreciate that. Uh, I had so much fun. You have such a great group. They're so encouraging and just pumped up. And yeah, it's very, it's very similar to what we have in Level Up. And that's why I really like it. Yay, I love it. All right, thank you all. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.